0: Today, we're in the uh, book of John, chapter 9, and next week, next week, we are going to be beginning the book of Colossians. We'll be unpacking that verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We love to study the Bible, so in- I invite you to read chapter 1, and we'll be teaching on that next week. But this morning, the title of the message is Blind Spots. Does anybody in the in the house ever had a blind spot in your life? Come on, come on. Okay, little blind spots. Thank you, the husbands, for getting the elbows from the wife about how many blind spots they've had. So in John chapter 9, John is an eyewitness of Jesus' life there. So what he's going to do is he's going to present Jesus not just as a miracle worker, not just as a great teacher, but actually as the Son of God, as the light of the world. And what I want us to see this morning as we unpack the story of this blind man, is not just a story of a blind man, but really it's our story too. It's your story. It's my story. And so uh, Jesus came to make our lives better, to restore us to relationship with God. And, uh, and so what we're going to do is... We're going to unpack how he was healed. And because this is the conclusion of our eight-week series on Jesus, we're also going to have an opportunity for prayer at the end. Now, I'm going to invite some pastors and elders and prayer team up front. and They're going to be available to pray with us. And so to give us the opportunity, the very thing that the Bible prescribes, which is to pray for one another there. And so we're going to give you the opportunity to come up front, to be prayed for and to do the very thing that you want God to do in your life. And that is to touch you or to heal you. And so, hey, you know what? I get it. I get it that it's embarrassing. I get it that, you know, and if I come up front, you know what? What if I get emotional, you know, and I don't know who's going to be talking to me or praying with me? And what if I don't get, you know, what if I don't get, you know, this thing healed in my life? Well, what if you do? And, and then so I just want to encourage you because sometimes, uh, we can, Hold back from being prayed for. It's the very thing that God wants to do to bless your life there. So if you need prayer relationally, you know, emotionally, spiritually physically, for you, for someone else. You know what, don't uh, uh, just take advantage of that. And so we're going to do that at the end. And uh, don't let any barrier, you know, keep you from how God wants to bless you. You know, well, what if I don't have enough faith? You only have, need to have enough faith to get out of your seat. That's all the faith you need. They'd love to pray with you. We'll do that at the end. So beginning John chapter 9 in verse 1, here's the story. It starts with a question. As Jesus was walking along, He saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? So what is the number one question? By the way, this morning I'm going to be asking lots of questions, and I need you to talk back to me and tell me what you think so you got a free green light, talk when I ask questions, shout something out. But what is the number one question... Okay, when you face a disease, hardship, disability, pain, suffering, loss, death, what is the number one question you ask God? Exactly. We ask God, why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why did this happen? You know, so that's the question when calamity, when hardship, when tumultuous circumstances hit our lives, we always ask, you know, why? And so... I've asked the question, you've asked the question. I remember when my firstborn son uh, was born, and I just wanted to have a healthy kid. I didn't care if he had, didn't have a limb, but I just wanted to have a healthy kid. So when he was born, and he was born, you know, I knew things were really bad. Things were going sideways. The whole t- medical team comes in. So I asked the doctor after he was born, I said, just tell me, just tell me the truth. I said, is my son going to be born mentally retarded? And he looks at me and he said, and he looked at the crib and he said, your son has all the signs, clinical signs and symptoms of mental retardation. So I was devastated, you know, and I walked down the hallway, ducked into the waiting room, fell on the ground, just burst in tears and said, why God? Why this? You know, why am I going to, like, so it was beyond me. And we have those times where circumstances are beyond you and you ask Why? so that's what was happening here, but they have an assumption. And the assumption was that because he was born blind in that culture, what you would think was that there was something wrong that happened. There was sin with the parents or sin with you, and that's why you were blind. And that was a prevailing uh, thinking in the culture then. They assumed that, that the person had done something wrong. And when you do that, what do you believe about God? What happens when when you believe that, that if I do something wrong, then God is like this moral vending machine that I'm going to pay for it? What would that say about God? You know, what would that say? Is God fair and is God just? Or then is God just reactionary, you know, to what happens and vindictive and punishing? So do you believe that God is fair and just? What do you believe about God? Because there's whole religious systems and philosophy that are built on this, that God is a moral vending machine. You know what I mean? Like, say, a reincarnation. If you were bad, you're going to be born poor in the next life. If you're good, you're going to be born rich in the next life. So whole religious systems of thought have been dominated by this very thing here, that God is like a moral vending machine. And so the reason some of us believe that is because, is it true in life or is it not true in life? A couple weeks ago, I invited a, 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 some friends to come to church on Mother's Day and i especially reached out to them because i know their story was is devastating and their story is one where one day on the 60 freeway uh, a semi truck hit their kids their their daughter their son and their daughter and then their their grandkids were in the car too and they all died they all burned to death on the 60 freeway and so they found this out and so every time i see them i just sense the sadness about them and they're one of the most wonderful couples that I've ever known. They're just beautiful people here. And so, did they deserve that? And you know, people in the, and, you know, you have friends and maybe your own story. You think like, we didn't deserve this thing that happened in our lives here and it's not fair. And then, you know, and you're a good family or a good couple or a good, you know, single and you think it's just not fair. And then you see other people, you know, and it's like, dang, they're like, they're like, they're like evil and they're prospering and doing well. So this cause and effect thing with God really is not a, a reality here. I'm not saying you don't reap what you sow, but sometimes, you know, there's this there can be this thing inside us that we want to think like, oh, you know what, maybe they maybe they did something there, that they're suffering, you know, something happened there. So anyway, Jesus answers the question. John chapter 9, verse 3. And he says this, and he rejects the premise. Of that he rejects the premise, he says, This it was not because of the sins of, of or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Now, watch this Jesus says and announces who he is I am the light of the world. And this is what the Bible teaches that Jesus is the light and the life. And the love of God incarnated here. And so, but why do we need Jesus to be the light of the world? Why, why do you think we do? Okay, so you're more, I know that's a harder question. But why do you think we need Jesus to be the light of the world? What does it say about us? It's darkness. We live in darkness. Is there darkness in us? Yeah, well, why do we need him to be the light of the world? All of the above. Good. So Jesus came to bring light and life to the world. But see, when God created the world, you know, the world's perfect, you know, there in the garden. And so you have Jesus there that and God, the Trinity, created humanity, created uh, the cosmos there. And then we have this loving relationship with God and we wanted to do life, however, on our own terms. And so we rebelled against God. We destroyed relationship with God. That impacts relationship with one another, and then because of our collective rebellion, destroys relationship that brought hatred and jealousy and sexism and racism and corruption and all sorts of evil and disease and death. And that originated with us here. And so in your notes, broken world happens, and that causes suffering there, but it's more broken, I think, than we realize. And you know what? We are more broken than we realize. I have come to discover that the speaker this morning is more broken than he realizes. And so we have here in this story, Jesus is the light of the world here. And so uh, the good news, though, is this, is God's grace is greater than our sin. When grace, when sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And the amazing thing is that God loved us so much that he didn't leave us alone in a broken world. And so God shows up in our broken world. And I can feel the excitement rising in the room. And so in your notes there, Jesus shows up, okay, into, he brings hope into our brokenness. And God shows up in the broken world. Watch he becomes like us. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. So God shows up in our broken world and becomes like us. And then what Jesus does is is so amazing, is that he takes the very brokenness of the world, and he turns it around, and he uses it to save us. And he dies the death that we were already dying. And then Jesus conquers death so that we will no longer have to experience death. Excitement in the room. Thank you. And Jesus loses, watch, he loses his relationship with God. Father, why have you forsaken me? He loses his, his relationship with God, so we will never have to lose our relationship. And then he is nailed to the cross for our sins, ultimately so that our sins will never be permanently nailed to us. And he gives us his power, his resurrection power to lead, to live the life we were destined to live. Right on, baby. And so verse 11, John chapter 9, and the man they call Jesus, here's the guy's story. Here's the blind man's story. He says, the man they call Jesus made mud. So Jesus spits the dirt. And even that was a violation of rabbinical law there because you couldn't, use um, spit for medicinal purposes, and that's what he was doing. And so he made mud and spread it over my eyes, and he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. And so I went and washed, and now I can see. So Jesus heals his blindness and demonstrates that he is what? That he took darkness of the human condition and made light, and demonstrates that he is the light of the world. Yes, okay, so... Now, I find it interesting that God, in the form of Jesus here, he brings a miracle through a mud pie. Isn't that interesting? You know, I thought, I find it interesting, and so, and I I tried to, I, I was wanting to give you something that would be, like, explanatory and some insight, and I came up with nothing. I've got nothing on that, So maybe you could tell me if you've got something. But watch this, watch this. Jesus had made the mud pie, puts it in his eyes, and, uh, and he says to him, okay, now here's what I want you to do. Go down to the pool, and he's blind, so he has to find the pool. Imagine all the people that he that he engages with, these little mud patties over his eyes. And he has to trust Jesus before he was ever healed. He had to trust him. Uh, and th- that the mud pies were there in his eyes and he didn't know it was going to lead to a miracle but it did at the-, at the pool of Siloam there. So Jesus then brings light into his life and demonstrates that he came to bring light into the human condition there. And so, and again, when someone was born blind in that day it was over for you. It was over. There's no braille, you know, there's no social services. You couldn't get, you know, you wouldn't get married. You wouldn't get opportunities, you know, you didn't have friends, you know, uh, you weren't able to have employment. You were shamed and you were dishonored because of the prevailing attitude of the culture that you sinned or someone else sinned. And that's why you're in this condition. So when Jesus heals him, we need to see this that it wasn't just physical healing. He restores him to relationship. He restores him, you know, to community. He restores him, you know, to everything that, that he could have. He restores him to relationship with God there. So Jesus does what only God can do, and he heals and demonstrates that he is indeed the hope of the world. So he forgives us. He restores us to relationship with God. He makes us right with God. And so here's what he does to the man, and here's what he does to us. Jesus comes as the light of the world to make your life better. And, uh, and so what he does is he removes not only physical blindness, but in us, spiritual blindness. I want us to think about that, because what is spiritual blindness? What do you, what do you think it is? What is, what is spiritual blindness? What is spiritual blindness? Go ahead, shout it out. What is, what is it happens when you are spiritually blind? You can't see God's plan good. You don't see God's purpose. What else? When you're spiritually blind, what is true of you? Shout it out. You're in the dark. Yeah, you're in the dark. What else? When you're in spiritual blindness, what else is true of you? You're lost. Yeah, what else is true? Say it again louder. No faith. Yes, good. Okay, all of the above. So this is true of our story because you everyone in the room here, you've had a season of life where you were spiritually blind. Maybe that's true of you now. So spiritual blindness is your inability your inability to understand your own brokenness, how broken that you are, and your need for God's grace. So in your notes there, you're blind to the reality of your brokenness and the need for grace. That's what spiritual blindness looks like. And so I'm blind to this reality. And so people, you know, they'd seen this man who was born blind, and now he has sight. So they're going to respond to that. And so watch how they respond to the light of the world and this is how they responded John chapter 9 verse 16. This man Jesus is not from God and he is working on the Sabbath. So they're all worked up about uh his breaking the rabbinical law there. And so uh, he says if someone was sick, you know, um you couldn't you couldn't uh heal him on the Sabbath here. So the Jewish leaders still refused to believe. So they called his parents and they asked, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? So they're like, well, why don't you just go ask him? And so that's what they did. So for the second time, they called in the man who'd been born blind, and they told him, God should get glory for this, because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Like, Jesus is the bad guy, you know? And they're, they're always trying to, you know, show Jesus is the bad guy. He's a demon. He's insane, you know? He's not of God. And then he says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied. But I know this. If everybody could look up at the screens and read this with me. He says, I know this. And what does he know? Read it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. I, and now I see. And so what is spiritual blindness? It's the inability to see. It's the inability to see your own brokenness. You see, when you're blind, spiritually blind here, you minimize and you rationalize your own broken. It's like, you just don't get it. You just, you just don't see it. And so what is spiritual light then? Spiritual light is coming to the reality. It's coming to the reality of something. And so let me illustrate it this way from my own life. So a couple of months from now, I'm going to go horseback riding. In my whole life, I've ridden horses. We had horses when I was a kid, and so I grew up with horses. My sister's a professional, ran a whole ranch. And so I grew up with horses, and I loved the horseback ride. So vacations, we go on dude ranches, did 100 miles in, in Yellowstone one year. So a couple years ago, we went to um, Montana, and here's a picture of our family getting ready to go on the horseback ride. That's me all the way to the right. And so we've got to, uh, so before we get on the horses, the wrangler says to me, he says, do you need a helmet? I'm like, you think this cowboy, I mean, take one look at me. You think this cowboy needs a helmet? I'm like, no, thank you. You know, it's kind of insulting. So give me the consent form. And I signed the consent, you know. So uh, no, no helmet for me. So we go on, here's my wife. My wife, look how, how nice she looks, ready to go on the horseback ride, okay? So we go on the horseback ride. And so, and I get this great idea, and we're, we're just a few hundred yards away from our conclusion there of the ride. And after three hours, and I see this tree and had this bark, this beautiful bark, and that—that would be an awesome, that would be an awesome, you know, thing to bring home, a little piece of the of, of the bark, nice little souvenir. So I reach back on my horse and I go to grab the bark. Little did I knew, no, the, it was a huge tree, right? Huge tree. The bark just. The whole, on the whole tree, I'm knocking, never seen, the bark on the whole tree, like an earthquake, comes crashing down. It was really loud. As soon as I grabbed, it, I'm like this, the horses. Take off like a bullet, okay? Take off like a bullet. I get thrown off the horse. I've been, I'm knocked out for minutes. My son, I asked him last night, how long did it take me to wake me up? He said, Dad, it took about a half a minute to wake you up because you were really out of it. So they were trying to wake me up, you know, and uh, I'm knocked out. I can't believe I didn't break my neck. My neck's been a mess ever since. And so, but now I have this reality. Now I have a new reality about helmets, okay? Here's, I'm like, When I go this year, not only will I ask for the helmet, do you have like, you know, uh, do you have like body bags, you know? I mean, what do you have? I'll take everything that you've got, airbags, you name it, I'll take it. Here's my wife after, that's what happened. Okay, look at the next picture, I don't know if you can tell. She's full of blood, and here is me in the hospital afterwards. And when the paramedics came and said, you need to go to the hospital, I'm like... Uh, I'm a doctor, and I know I'm okay, and I don't need to go. And they said, we have seen guys like you that had broken necks and have died. And I said, okay, I'll go to the hospital. Um, but uh, I don't want to take the, the ambulance. The ambulance is there, and traffic is backed up, and the paramedics. And I'm like urinated because, like, you know, I just lost it. It was just gross. They go, they, go, they, they point to my pants and said, we think you need to go. I'm like, what do you mean I need to go? And I looked at my pants and said, all right, I'll go, but my son will drive me, okay? So anyway... Um, So, here's the point. I had a new reality about helmets. You know what I'm talking about? So, I'll take the helmet, but before I was in darkness, and that's what, like, spiritual blindness is, is that when that's lifted, you have a new reality. You have a new reality about God. You have a new reality about spiritual things here. And so, you get spiritual sight there. And so, now I can see. So, you know what? The reality in your own life is this. Watch, the reality is this, it's like, say in your work experience, like you work too much, maybe you're the type that works too much, and you, uh, you don't see it, you don't see the reality of the damage it does to your family, the damage it does to your marriage, you know, and you just don't see that. Maybe you don't see your own self-selfishness, because of the blindness that is there. Maybe you don't see your own self-centeredness, and so you don't see that, you know, it's all about you all the time. Even work is not about others. It's about you and how it makes you look and you're successful. And so, and we just don't see the reality. And so we need Jesus to be the light of the world to show us and bring light into our lives. You know, we don't see the brokenness and the, and the need for Him sometimes. And so point number two in your notes. Jesus came to give sight to the spiritually blind. He came to give sight to the spiritually blind. And this is what I know. His grace always exceeds our brokenness. His grace always exceeds our brokenness. So back to the Gospel of John chapter 9, verse 39. It says this, And then Jesus told him, I entered this world to give sight to the blind. You know, there's only two types of blindness. Those that are spiritually blind... And those that recognize they're blind and don't want to be blind anymore. And so he says, And to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? And Jesus is like, Yeah, absolutely. I'm talking about you here. And so this is exactly what I'm saying. But you remain guilty because you claim that you see. You claim that you see. And you know what? This shows the human condition. Watch. Watch. Here it shows the human condition. Because this is true. Tell me if this isn't true. See, the problem with privileged people, like really smart people, intelligent, insightful people, successful people, people that are privileged, that are brilliant, you know, that are gifted. You know what the problem is when you, when you are that? Is it becomes an obstacle to embrace sometimes the own spiritual blindness of your life. An obstacle to embrace the good news, really. Because, see, you can look at all the good things in your life and think that it's because of you. All the good things are because of me here. And you think that you deserve them. And even then sometimes you see bad in others' lives, you know, you can kind of look down on them. And so the blindness, what what is the blindness in the story that cannot be healed? There's one blindness in this story that can't be healed. What do you think that is? The blindness that cannot be healed. It's a blindness that is not acknowledged. That's the only one of, of the, the, the religious community here. And so this is the blindness that cannot be healed. So what then is the defining quality of a Christ follower, of someone who's met Jesus? It's this. I was once blind, but now I see. That, that is the defining quality of a Christ follower. So I'm going to ask you some questions and perhaps you could just say, now I can see. You see, the defining quality of someone who follows Jesus is, once I was selfish, but now I see, right? The defining quality of a Christ follower is, once I was full of myself, I was unforgiving, but you do, don't you? Okay. Once I was self-centered and obsessed with myself, but now I see. Once I pursued empty dreams, you know, but now I see. Once I didn't see my brokenness, but now I see. And so once I trusted in the opinions of what other people thought about me, but... Yeah, thank you. And so when you believe in Jesus in your notes, you receive spiritual sight. When you believe in Him... You receive spiritual sight. I see how broken that I am. And so looking at John chapter nine, verse 35, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, "Do you believe in the Son of Man?" The man answered, "Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him," Jesus said, and he is speaking to you right now. Yes, Lord, I believe." And the man said, watch, and he worshiped Jesus. See, our story is this, that when you receive spiritual sight, that transforms you, and you become a person then who worships Jesus. Something comes alive inside you, like we did this morning. Something comes alive inside you, and you begin to respond to all that he is and all that he has done with all that you are. And maybe it comes to expression and you clap, or you sing, or you get down on your knees, or you lift your uh, voice, or you raise your hands. But when you gain spiritual sight, you become a worshiper. And God transforms you and stirs you, and you, you want to respond to Him. And so I want to encourage us as a community that we would do that. That you would let that come to expression. You have received spiritual sight. Let that come to expression in the whole of your life in worship. So Jesus asked this man, he asked the man to believe. and He believed that he was what? The the light of the world there, the Son of God. That he could uniquely restore him back to relationship with God. That's what he could do, that he could forgive him and make him right before God. Believe that he would restore him and restore his, his relationships there. And so, what is it then that he, uh, he began to worship. And so, I'd just like to say this in closing, and as the worship team comes up, that our hearts are awakened. Okay, we become responsive to Jesus. We become alive to Him. Um, you may stand up. You may shout out. Uh, but you may recognize that I was once blind, and now I see, and I become a worshiper of Jesus. And so, my story is this. Your story is this number one? I was blind. I believe, and now I can see. And thirdly, and now I worship. You see, that's what Jesus does. Is the light of the world. He heals um, blind eyes. He opens blind spiritual eyes. That's what he does. So he wants to do that for you if that's never happened in your life. He heals bodies. He heals broken relationships. He heals marriages. He heals blind spots, spiritual blindness. So I would ask you, do you believe? Do you believe he can do that for you? And like the blind man, think about it. The blind man with the mud pies on his eyes has to walk to a pool. And he believed enough to do that. And he was healed. And how about you? Do you believe, are you willing to do whatever Jesus would ask you to do that you might be healed? I'm going to read a passage and it's going to ask you to do something. This is how God, one of the ways God can bring healing in, in a community. James chapter 5, verse 13. It says, Are any of you suffering hardship? And the implication, the inference is, and you are. You should pray. And it says, Are any of you sick? And again, the implication is, and you are. You should call for the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church, and have them come and have them pray over you. And here's what they would do. Um, And anoint you with oil. That just means God's uh, symbolic of God's presence coming upon you. There's nothing special about oil. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, but it's the Lord who will make you well. And if if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. So confess your sins one for another and pray for one another that you might be healed. So if you're here this morning and you need prayer, whether it be for something emotional or physical or spiritual or whatever it is, I just want to invite you in just a moment to come up. And so if you'd stand to your feet uh, with me. and um, So if you're here and you need like Jesus to touch you or maybe you want to have someone prayed for a child, a family, a friend, a parent. But you need Jesus to intersect with your life. You need to encounter him in a greater way. You need him to come to expression in a more powerful way in your life. What is it that God is asking you to do? Just to walk, get out of the aisle and come forward and be prayed for? And so it was a defining moment for the man in the story the blind man and you just don't know it could be a defining moment for you so we're going to have the team come up and pray and ask them to pray for you and so if you don't need prayer this morning here's what I'm asking you to do I'm asking you to pray for the people that are being prayed for and that we would pray for them as a community and you would engage and partake of this experience as, as a family so let us pray Father thank you for this day and but thank you that you're working. Thank you for what you're going to do as we would pray for one another. We pray for all those that would need to come forward. Your touch could be expressed in their lives in Jesus' name.